G'day guys, welcome to the TDs and Threes podcast. We are the one-stop shop for the NFL and NBA content. We're a couple of Australian high school mates who love our American sport, and we want to do a relaxed environment and an in-depth analytical look at both sports. So if you're thinking to yourself, you're a fan of the NBA and not the NFL, that is perfectly okay. We do have NBA content coming. We were going to do a first-round playoff preview. That's gone missing, and that's on me, and that's okay. Uh, if you are a fan of the NFL and not the NBA, that is okay. We will be segregating our content, so they will be split up between NFL and NBA episodes. So if one of them is your go, feel free to just stick to that content. We look forward to bringing it to you. If you're a fan of both, you're in the best place possible. We ask you to subscribe wherever you're getting a podcast from. Share with a mate. We want to build something pretty special here, pretty special community of sports lovers. Let's get stuck into it. My name is Daz. His name is Smitty, and I'm going to welcome him now. How are you going, mate? Mate, I'm going really well. It's been a uh, long time coming, this, hasn't it? Uh, I think we planned this out probably about the age of 15. Yeah, I go back to Year 9 English as the uh, catalyst for this whole expedition that we're going on, and God, we were so naive. (laughs) We definitely were, mate. I think both of our uh, school reports that year read, uh, did well, talk too much. Yes. But that's okay. I think that that was every year for myself. uh, (laughs) We can handle that. That's it. That's what we're here for. All right, today we're going to get stuck into the over-unders for each NFL side. No division, none of that alphabetical order. We're going to get every side done. We're going to go quick. We're going to be short, sharp, succinct, the three S's that we know and love. The odds will be through sports bet, gamble responsibly. Uh, We're not telling you how much to put on or anything like that. These are just our tips, our predictions, using their numbers. There's only one question here, mate. Are we ready to go? I was born ready, my friend. All right, on to Arizona. Their mark is seven and a half wins, and they finished eight and eight last year. And what interests me is with the extra game, and I think that'll be a theme uh, for today's show, that these might be uh, a little interesting. But finishing eight and eight, and they're expecting to finish the same. What are your expectations for the Cardinals, and specifically expectations for your man, Kyler Murray? Yeah, just looking at that line, I think it is probably a bit too low. Um, I think they've improved their roster. They had some good veteran pickups throughout the offseason. Obviously, the marquee one being JJ Watt to help out the defensive line. He's an absolute monster. We know about him. But a few underrated ones. Uh, Rodney Hudson from the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Big center on the offensive line. Someone who can uh, protect Kyler Murray. Uh, AJ Green, veteran wide receiver, who didn't didn't get a lot of looks last year in Cincinnati, but we know he's got the talent. And James Conner at running back, who was behind a terrible offensive line in Pittsburgh and just couldn't get anything going. Maybe the change of scenery will spark him up. Uh, They've definitely built something around Kyler Murray here. Um, Look at their skill positions, wide receiver and running back. It's pretty elite reading. They're very deep at wide receiver. And um, they've got some running back help for Kyler, whose strength is to run run the football at the quarterback position. The question mark for me about the Cardinals is their secondary. They've got Buda Baker, who's a star, free safety, um, one of the best safeties in the league. But around him at the cornerback position, their first two starters are Malcolm Butler, who's remembered for his interception in the Super Bowl, but not much else. And Robert Alford, who has just been a uh, just been a guy who's bounced around the league for different sides and has never really been able to cement himself. So it's a tough one. They're in a great division, which will be a theme, but I'm going the over for Arizona. I think they can have a nine and eight sort of season. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going the over as well. And just on Malcolm Butler, it's a good thing to be remembered for. Oh, if, absolutely. If you're only going to pick one thing to be remembered for, I think that'd be a good place to 
yeah. a good place to start. All yeah. right, we move on. Atlanta. Uh, this one surprises me. Seven and a half is their line. Finished four and 12 last year. Uh, what are the betting agencies seeing that uh, last year didn't? I think this is actually a fairly good line, despite me wanting to take the under. I think it's a fair line. The four and 12 last year, I don't think is a fair representation of the talent they have, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Matt Ryan is a good quarterback. Um, no one's going to argue with that, I don't think. He had some rough games last season. But um, the thing for me is Kyle Pitts. The draft time, he was the hype. Some people are calling him the best player in the entire class over Trevor Lawrence. I Huge don't know. call. It's a massive call. And I don't know if I'm going that far. But I think he's going to have an outstanding rookie season and possibly put up the best rookie numbers a tight end has ever put up. He's a generational talent. And just having him on the offensive side of the ball is going to be huge for Atlanta. There's a massive question mark hanging over with some rumors coming out in the last few days about a possible Julio Jones trade. We know how good Julio is, but for them to have Calvin Ridley sitting there behind him at wide receiver two, who is arguably a top 15 receiver in the entire league, it's a pretty handy little fallback option if you're going to trade Julio. As I said, fairly good line, but I'm going to take the under. Yeah, we agree twice. This is going to be a fun pot if we agree on all of them. So hopefully we get some disagreements soon. But yeah, I agree with you. The unders there and geez, Kyle Pitts, mate, looking forward to that. Oh, it's week one is going to be exciting. It's going to be something special. Okay. One of the more interesting sides for mine, and I feel like we might disagree here. I'm looking forward to this. Baltimore Ravens, 10 and a half, were 11 and five last year. Um. Really interesting, this one. I think the uh, NFL fan base is split between Lamar is just a runner and Lamar is a superstar. And, he, and to be fair, he's probably somewhere in between. But the question that I've got for you is making the Super Bowl the only pass mark for the Ravens this year? I don't think it's the only pass mark, but I think they're going to have to go deep into the playoffs to be a pass mark. Lamar Jackson, you have them in all sports. You have it in NBA, you have it in AFL over here in Australia, you have it in any sport around the world, superstars who receive hate for no reason. Now, Lamar may not be the best, he might not have the best arm, he may not be the most accurate passer, but let's appreciate him for what he is. He's an outstanding athlete who can run the ball from the quarterback position like someone we haven't seen before. And there were times last year where he was effective with his arm. He was throwing outside the numbers getting some first down plays. And I think rookie Rashad Bateman, he was drafted in the first round, pick 29, I believe. I think he is going to be a really important addition to this side. I think he's going to give Lamar Jackson that big-bodied receiver who can go up and get a jump ball in the end zone. I think he will be their number one receiver by season's end. And some people might perk their ears up and think about Hollywood Brown, think about Sammy Watkins, but I'm pretty high on Rashad Bateman. I think he can be a very good receiver. Uh, they had a few departures on the defense. Uh, Matthew Judon went to New England, which was well publicized, but they have a lot of depth on their defense. And with stars like Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey, they are very dangerous. And on their day, they can just rip apart an offense. So I'm taking the over through the extra game. I think they can go over. It's another good line though. Yeah, I'm with you. I, th I thought you were going to go... Uh, under just with maybe thinking 10 and 7. But no, I'm going with you. If they were 11 and 5 last year, there's no reason why they won't go 11 and 6 or a bit better. 
And just with Lamar not being a good passer, he's one of only two current players to have two perfect passer rating games in one season. Him and Big Ben. So the man can throw. I don't understand the hate. A lot of people would be surprised by that. Can someone, uh, someone should explain it to me. I really appreciate it. All right, moving on. The AFC East, Buffalo, the Bills. Jeez, didn't they come from nowhere last year but on the back of a man called Josh Allen? Uh, their line is 11 and a half, finished 13 and three last year. And the question that I've got for you, mate, is have they done enough in the offseason to fix their running game? Buffalo stock, I will buy some. Oh. <laughs> I will buy some. I think they are smashing the over. Apart, aside from Kansas City, I think they are probably the most dangerous contender for Tampa Bay this season. They haven't lost a lot on both sides of the ball, and they actually improved one of their biggest flaws, and that was the pass rush. I know you mentioned the running game, but with Josh Allen, I don't think their running game needs to be outstanding. He is that good in the pocket, and he can also do things with his legs as well. They have Devin Singletary, who... Okay, he may not be a superstar back, but he'll be enough. And uh, he'll be a second-year player this year, Zach Moss. He showed signs early in the season before a toe injury derailed his season. He will be a good runner in this league. And all they need is to be competent in the run game. Because with the combination of Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs, that is that screams out nightmares for opposing defences. Uh, their first two picks in the, in the draft were pass rush. Uh, Gregory Rousseau is a he's a developmental. He's really a throw at the stumps, I believe. But if he pans out, he is going to be exciting. He had a lot of sacks at Miami on a very good defensive line in college. Some people don't like to read into the stat of sacks in college, and I can see the merit in that. But he's shown that he is capable of getting to the quarterback, which is a very, very important thing for a defensive lineman. And just having another offseason under Josh Allen, we saw his improvement last year. was out of sight. If he can improve another 5%, 10% off last season, we're looking at a possible MVP candidate. The sky's the limit for Buffalo. I'm smashing the over. Oh, I, uh, I'm going over as well. Perhaps not as passionately. I think maybe 12 or 13, but... Um, the AFC East is getting better, so their divisional games are going to be really interesting. Perhaps not against the Jets, but we'll get into that. Now, to quote the late, great Australian sportscaster, Danny Spud Frawley, we're going to have to give you some unqualified time with the next team because it's yours, my friend, the Carolina Panthers. Their line is 7.5 after being 5-11 and 11 last year. And the simple question for you, my friend, is how optimistic are you about Sam Darnold? I'm as optimistic as you can be about an unproven guy. Um, I was actually a fan of Sam Darnold coming out of USC. He was drafted with the third pick overall, and he just got put in the worst position you could possibly put into as a rookie quarterback, getting thrown into a New York Jets franchise that was, quite frankly, in shambles the whole time he was there. He had no offensive line blocking him. He had no competent running game. He had no receivers at wep- uh, no weapon at receivers, sorry. And he just was put in a position to fail. He's got a second chance now. He's still only 24 years old. He's very young when it comes to quarterbacks. I'm optimistic, but I'm cautiously optimistic. I think he can be good, but I'm not holding my breath on it. I think the big question for us is, can Christian McCaffrey stay healthy? Your man, C-Mac. He is my man. He's... Panthers fans love him because we've seen what he can produce, but can he stay healthy? He 
just couldn't get on the field last season. And as disappointing as it was, it was probably good because we went back to the draft, pick eight, drafted JC Horn, cornerback out of South Carolina. And if I can just tell anyone that's listening, if they could read our exchange when that name was read out, and granted you have warmed to it immensely. Yes. I will give you that. Yes. Oh, my gosh. There were some words exchanged uh, when the pick was given out. So what made you change your tune? I was high on Justin Fields. Hmm. I'll give it away now. I wanted to see a quarterback competition between Justin Fields and Sam Darnold purely on the fact that Sam Darnold hasn't proven that he's a number one guy. Uh, we did trade for him, which suggested that we probably wanted to roll with him. But I wanted a quarterback competition. But I can see now JC Horn will be our number one cornerback for his rookie contract. And I'm hoping for many years after that because he has got he is built different. He has got something inside of him. He's wearing the number eight this year to honor Kobe Bryant. And as much as the term Mamba mentality is thrown out there, I think this kid's got it. He is going to be a star. Fantastic. All right. It's seven and a half in a word over under. Under. We need one more year to develop our young defense. Yeah, damn it. I thought we were going to disagree on that, but I'll put you under as well. But I think that seven and a half, you'll be pushing it close. I don't think you'll be five and 12 or four and 13. I think you'll be pushing it pretty hard. I think if it was a, a seven, we might be betting on the push there. Might be in a void, but seven and a half, I think the under is um, yeah, not bad value there. Another team that's seven and a half, and we go there next, is the Bears of Chicago. Finished eight and eight last year. Again, the betting market suggesting that they're not going anywhere in terms of improvement in their win column. So my question to you is, mate, is how many games will Justin Fields start in? My prediction is 17. I think they roll with Andy Dalton week one. They promised Andy Dalton the starting job. But after a half of Andy Dalton over in LA on a Sunday night, they are going to turn to the boy from Ohio State and say, the keys are yours, my friend. I think Justin Fields is going to go on a revenge tour. I think he'll be the offensive rookie of the year. He will be holding receipts on every team that passed on him, and he is going out to get their heads. I, As I said before, I really liked him. I wanted the Panthers to draft him. I think he's in an okay situation in Chicago. I think the coaching can utilize his skills. Um, he's got Allen Robinson, who's arguably a top 10 receiver in the NFL, just to force feed the ball too early until he gets his feet under him at the uh, pro level. Uh, the defense is what held this team up last season. And there's no doubting that. I think every offensive starter owed every defensive starter, every drink on the end of season trip <laughs> uh, because they well and truly carried them. They lost Kyle Fuller, which is a bit of a blow, but they gained Desmond Trufant, who in the past has been a very capable cornerback. So do they really lose that much with that with that trading of players? I'm not too sure. I'm going the over. I think Justin Fields is the real deal. We finally disagree. It took, it, it took a little bit, but we're there. I think if your theory is true that Justin Fields is going to start, um, well, 16 games in the first half of, of week one, uh, eight games on his own is going to be, I think, a, a challenge too steep, but not sort of in the Justin Herbert type of he's going to be excellent and the team maybe not that great. Um, 
Seven and a half, though. That's a good line. It's a very good line. The lines have been outstanding That's a point. So far. This could be like a seven and ten or an eight and nine that decides it. But Absolutely. we disagree, and that's what the people want. We move on to Cincinnati, who finished 4-11-1 last year. Joe Burrow got hurt late in the year. And just on that, my question to you is, will teams target Jamar Chase because of he and Burrow's history? And if so, do they have a plan B? I think they will target Jamar Chase. I think he's come in... It's when you draft a wide receiver with the fifth overall pick, he's not coming in to play the slot. He's not coming in to rotate off the off the interchange bench. He's the guy. He's the man. They have T. Higgins, who in his rookie season last season showed that he's more than capable of being good in this league. But Jamar Chase will be the man. Him and Joe Burrow are gonna have the dynamic duo. But my question is are they going to have an offensive line that can block for him long enough for him to actually get the ball to Jamar Chase? Because they, their offensive line last year was horrendous and it ended Joe Burrow's season. He tore his ACL. So um, that's my big question. They went wide receiver at five over offensive line when Panay Sewell was still there. People are 50-50 about that. I would have gone offensive line because if you draft Joe Burrow at number one overall, you don't want him to not be able to walk at age 23. <laughs> so yeah, You'd like for him to be able to actually play the sport. That'd oh, be handy. Absolutely. Um, something that's gone very under the radar for Cincinnati is the loss of William Jackson. He was their shining light on defense last year at the cornerback position. He quite often went up against some of the best receivers in the game and locked them down. He is a big loss for this defense. And I don't think it's been spoken enough when the Bengals have been uh, talked about. I'm going to under. I think without an offensive line, they're going to show flashes. Jamar Chase is going to be great in flashes. Joe Burrow is going to show great flashes. But I don't think they can do it without an offensive line. Yeah, three extra wins on last year. does seem like a, uh, a steep mountain. I'm going the under as well. Um a little uh, improv over under. Do they go better than the four wins of last year? I think they can win more than four games. There we go. Okay, on to, well, somewhat the people's choice for it, Cleveland. The uh, And if there's ever a team that deserves a bit of success for their fans, it's uh, it's the Browns. They were 11-5 and five last year, and that is their line at 11.5 wins. And it's the easy question. It's the cheap question, perhaps, but it's a question that needs to be asked. What gets Baker a big contract extension given that he's on his fifth year and hasn't got that big sign yet? What does he need to do? I think he's I think he's got the tools around him to go all the way. And I spoke about Buffalo earlier. Oh, hello. We've still got Kansas City. We've got Tampa, the reigning Super Bowl champions. But Cleveland took it right up to Kansas City in the playoffs last year. And... Their defense is juiced now through their off-season pickups. You look at it here. They got John Johnson, the third from the LA Rams. He is a star safety. He is an excellent signing and exactly what they needed. They got Jadavion Clowney through free agency. A lot of people, you know, he's the butt of a lot of jokes, Jadavion Clowney, because he doesn't put up big stats, but just his presence. He is a massive man. The number one overall pick from multiple years ago now, just him having him on the opposite side of Miles Garrett is going to 
make Miles Garrett better and it's going to make him better as well. So I think that's a win-win and a great, uh, great little chance to take for the Browns organization. My question is, how did, I'm going to butcher this name, I know it, but I'll give it a crack. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. Jeez, done well there. J-O-K. Yeah. He fell to the back end of the second round when he was projected to be a mid-first round pick. How did the Browns pull that off? I don't know, mate. It's genuine robbery. It came out after the draft that he has a heart condition, that, but that has never affected his football. And he he's a top 15 player in this draft. And yeah. they have stolen him right under the nose of their opposition. I think the Browns are going to be very good this year. I'm going over. Going over. I'm going over as well. And just to backtrack on the heart condition, if it didn't affect him on the field throughout his whole college career, I wonder why teams are, are jumping off now. Um, an interesting one there. We move on uh, to Dallas. And this one for me is one of the more interesting ones as well. Not that teams aren't interesting, but um, their line, actually, I'll get to their line in a second. So they were 6-10 and 10 last year. Obviously, Dak went down and he was on track to break all kinds of records. Uh, their line is nine and a half, and that really interests me. But the question I've got for you, mate, is who's under the most pressure at the Cowboys this year from Jerry Jones at owner, Mike McCarthy as the coach, Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott need to get their butts in the gear. And obviously Dak's coming back from his injury. But if you have to identify one, who needs to perform the best for the Cowboys this season? I think it's on Mike McCarthy, to be honest. Um, Jerry is immortal when it comes to the Cowboys. There's no such thing as pressure for him. Um, I I think the players from last season can be exempt. Um, they had a rotten year in terms of injuries. They have some stars on their offensive line who just could not get on the field healthy. Obviously, the Dak injury is the documented one. They had Andy Dalton and some other feelings while Andy Dalton was injured. So you can't really look at Amari Cooper or Ezekiel Elliott's seasons from last year and put blame on them. It was the circumstances around them. So Mike Mack is definitely under the microscope. I think they go over. Um, as you said, Dak's return, he was on track to break all kinds of passing records last year before the injury. Can he get back to that form? We don't know. It was a gruesome injury, so you just never know. But if he can get anywhere close to that form, Cowboys are going to be good. The offense on paper is arguably the best in the entire NFL, but health is the main issue, as we touched on before. The defense will again be the worry, but they have some young corners in Trayvon Diggs and the uh, newly drafted Kelvin Joseph out of Kentucky. I think he's going to be very good. He's got all the tools. Um, so they've got they've got some talent on defense. Can they put it together? I say yes. I go over. I think they'll win the division. Well, there you go. We disagree for the second time. Um, I understand where you're coming from, and I, I hope Dak goes well. Uh, obviously, I think four wins, they've got to make up four wins. I know they've got an extra game, but I think they'll be pushing that nine. I don't think they'll do any worse than eight and nine. Um, so it's not going to be a dramatic fall off. And if there is going to be one positive about Dallas going bad, it'll be seeing your mate Skip Bayless go nuts, which will be uh, which will be good viewing. We move right along uh, to the mile high. We're going to Denver. Their line is eight and a half. They finished five and eleven last year. And my question is hypothetically, if Drew, because it's come out that um, Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay, we'll get to Green Bay uh, when we get to them. But if Drew Locke is their quarterback all season all season long, 
do they draft one at the end of the year or do they trade for one? I think the roster they have, they can trade for one and be instant contenders. But purely based on the fact that I don't think there will be a quarterback to trade for, I have gone the under on the wins. It may be controversial because, look, their roster, apart from QB, is pretty fantastic, to be honest. They have a great defense and they drafted uh, Patrick Sertan in the first round, cornerback from Alabama. He's going to be a shutdown corner who fits perfectly in the defensive scheme they run in Denver. They've got a loaded offense. Their receiving core is fantastic. They drafted Javante Williams out of North Carolina that many thought could have been the best running back in this class, even above Najee Harris. So that's big, big wraps for the kid. He'll end up being the RB1 over Melbourne Gordon, Melvin Gordon at the end of the year. But I'm going under. Unless they, tra- unless they pull off a trade for a QB, they're looking at Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater for 17 games. And... I watched Teddy Bridgewater all year last year and he's just not getting it done. So I'm taking that under. I'm taking the under as well. And I think you've summed it up perfectly. I think we, I don't think in the NFL you can have a good roster barring quarterback and get much and get far. It's undoubtedly the most important position by a country mile. Almost in world sport. Probably is in world sport. Um, So they need to fix that up. But yeah, eight and a half, bit steep. Um, What do you reckon their ceiling is? Seven, ten, eight, nine? Yeah, I can I can see a seven and ten if Drew Locke pulls off some games like he did against my Panthers last year, where he go explodes for four touchdowns in about three hundred yards. <laughs> All righty, moving right along to perhaps one of the more well, they were the most relevant side when they uh, played their role in a blockbuster trade. But Detroit, uh, they were five and eleven last year. The Mighty Lions in the automotive capital of the US, their line is five. Uh, not and a half, it's just five. So if they if you do bet on Detroit hypothetically and they do win five games, it's a push. Um, so you don't win, you don't lose, you get your money back. But my question to you is, mate, is how long before there's hope? I think it's going to be a while. Um, my, oh, no. first, my, my first note... <laughs> Sorry, Detroit, I tried. My first dot point here is it will be a very tough season. And I think Lions fans are prepared for that. And they need to be because there's not a lot to be excited about on this roster. Um they traded away Matthew Stafford for Jared Goff, who is playing for his career this season. And I know he's got a big contract. I know he's got guaranteed money. But he's playing for his career in terms of relevancy. Um, they will. Detroit will most likely have a top two pick. I think it's out of them and the Houston Texans who will get to for the number one pick. But with a good QB class incoming if they have a franchise quarterback on the board, they're not passing them for Jared Goff. Um, I actually like what they did through the draft. Um, they didn't reach for skilled position players who are going to be put into a bad situation. They looked at the line. They looked at the trenches, offensive and defensively, and they drafted them. Uh, Panay Sewell, who we've talked about being a, maybe a generational talent at left tackle, he's as athletic as they come for a man his size, it's actually scary how fast he can move. And they took some defensive line help as well, which I like. It's under, it's going to be a long rebuild, but stick fat lines fans, it will get better. Yeah, I'm with you on the under there. Um, I'm going 
two, two and fifteen. What about two you? Fifteen. I give them three wins. Three. Yeah, yeah. That's, but yeah, I'm with you. Stick tough, Detroit fans. All right, mate. We're going to take the quickest of breaks. The listeners won't notice it, but we'll be back with Green Bay shortly. And we're back, mate. And we're back with Green Bay, who finished thirteen and three last year. And personally, I was sick of the narrative that it was a lucky thirteen and three. You've still got to win, no matter how you win. An ugly win's a lot better than an ugly loss, as they say. Their line is ten, and which is a weird one, but we will get into why. So my question to you is: Is how much effect has the Aaron Rodgers turmoil had on the group? And if he stays, we assume that he will. How far can they go? Yeah, I think he's staying, and I don't think that it's going to have a an impact on the group. I think everyone in that locker room wants Aaron Rodgers back. They'd be mad not to really uh, coming off an MVP season where he was just purely incredible. Some of the throws he can make uh, off the charts. Uh, Yeah. I can't see them trading him. It'd be silly too. And I can't see him sitting out a season if they refuse to trade him, which I think will be the case. I just don't think at his age, he'll want to sit out a full season of football considering the um, old father times coming after him. They finally paired someone next to Jair Alexander, who is arguably the best cornerback in the game. They drafted Eric Stokes in the first round from Georgia. They finally put someone on the other side. My question is, can Devontae Adams back up his incredible 2020 season? Because his numbers were just insane. Does he need to replicate them perfectly for them to go a long way? Do they have depth? I believe they do have more depth. They drafted Amari Rogers, which is funny because if Aaron Rodgers was to get traded, they'd still have an A Rogers on the offense. <laughs> so a little bit of insurance there for Packers fans. But I think they do have the depth. They got Aaron Jones back, which was a huge re-signing. That was um, huge. All summer it was he's going to Miami or he's yeah. going somewhere warmer. But, yeah. Um, no, yeah, that was huge. It was a big re-signing for them. I'm going over. I think they'll win more than 10 games. I'm going over too. He's he's not leaving. He's um easy to make a story about, I think, and um, hosting Jeopardy. There's a couple of Aussies whose probably sports people aren't as out there as obviously as North America. That would be a bit different. See one of our footy players hosting a game show. Hosting maybe Family Feud. Oh, that would be oh yeah. That's, Crikey. <laughs> let's move on. We get to, <laughs> we get to Houston, uh, who were four and twelve last year, and frankly lucky to get there. Their line is four. Um, we're not going to touch on uh, the obvious and for obvious reasons. We hope it's been done to death. So my question to you is: Apart from Deshaun, do they have another superstar? And if not, who could be their next one? Sorry to all Houston fans for what I'm about to say. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) Their next superstar is the number one draft pick of the next draft, of the 2022 draft, because they ain't got one on this list. Uh, Apart from Deshaun, which we don't really want to touch on, obviously, but apart from him, there is nothing on this roster, to be brutally honest. Um, It's very rare in professional sports that, Teams don't win a game for the year. Without Deshaun Watson, I think this could be one of them. Um, and that's a big call, but they really have nothing going on. The rebuild starts now. They've they've tra- uh, they've given JJ Watt away, DeAndre Hopkins away. They have no draft. They have barely any draft capital for the last few years through some poor trading. Hello, Bill O'Brien, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Big Bill's listening into into yeah. us right now, just thinking, damn you. 
I wouldn't blame him. <laughs> um, I think their their decision to draft a QB in with their first pick in the third round was quite befuddling, if that's the word. Mm. It was ridiculous considering the lack of depth and talent on this roster. They will likely have the first overall pick, which I'd touched on before. Why waste draft capital on a QB who's going to be sitting there for one season? Didn't make a lot of sense to me. There's not much to be excited about here. I'm, need I say under? Yeah, um, I'm slamming that under button extremely quickly. Um, we'll move on. Uh, Indianapolis is next. They finished 11-5 and five last year. Their line is 9.5. Um, obviously got Carson Wentz over the offseason, which... Um, raise some eyebrows and speaking of raising I think you raised that halfway through last season so if we had had the pod up and going you would have been first on the money there one of one of many good calls I've made but yeah jeez there you go there's welcome to the swagger of Smitty right there um, their line is nine and a half my question to you is is Indy success as much on Jonathan Taylor as it is with Carson Wentz considering he can't do it alone I think their running back room do it by committee um a lot of people forget that Marlon Mack tore his Achilles in week one last season, mm. who was locked and loaded RB1 going into last year. Uh, they had to call on Jonathan Taylor to do more than he was expected to do. They had Naheem Hines. That's a tongue twister. Mm. He's a pass catching back who showed good glimpses. You know, they had a lot of people do good work on the running the ball on that in that offense. So I think Jonathan Taylor, the microscope won't be on him purely because of that running back committee. I think Carson Wentz can unlock his 2017 form for the Eagles. He was on track to be MVP before he got injured in that Super Bowl season with Frank Reich, the now Indianapolis head coach, as his offensive coordinator. So I think the fit's perfect in Indy. Their only concern is the offensive line. Um, I would have liked to have seen them address that in the draft with some with a high pick. They didn't, but the thing they do have going for them is they play Houston twice. So they pretty much start at 2-0 and at the start of the season. <laughs> yeah, so you're relying on eight of the last 15 yeah, which to get I, up. I think they're more than capable of doing. Yeah. Their defense has shown that they're good. And if Wentz can get anywhere close to his 2017 form... They'll, they'll be a good team this year. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm slamming the over as well. We move on to Jacksonville. Uh, 1-15 last year. They got Trevor Lawrence in, and I, we've been following sport both in here in Australia and in America for a long time. I don't think I've ever heard a hype around someone that hasn't played a second in the elite league than I have about Trevor Lawrence. Uh, their line is 6.5, so they're relying on a 6-win better season. My question for you is, does signing Tim Tebow relieve external pressure off Trevor Lawrence during this offseason, considering since the Tebow news came out, we're not talking about Trevor Lawrence anymore? Well, that's a great point. And even though Tim Tebow isn't even playing the same position, it's funny how that can be forgotten about. So that's a good point. Uh, I'm going over, to be honest. I think that... Lawrence coming in can have a similar impact to what Andrew Luck did in Indianapolis when he got drafted first overall. Wow, that's a huge call. They went from being bottom feeders to playoff contenders straight away. And we haven't seen a better talent than Andrew Luck since. And Trevor Lawrence is the man, I think. The thing that intrigues me about this team is their loaded cornerback room. If you have a look at their cornerback room, 
it is loaded. They went out and they signed Shaquille Griffin from Seattle, who was their CB1. They drafted CJ Henderson in the first round last year. They drafted Tyson Campbell in the second round this year. They have Trey Herndon. They have a lot of depth at cornerback, so they're really stacking the secondary. With Urban Meyer, first-year head coach, teaming up with Trevor Lawrence, I think this can be a good team. I'm going over. Uh, we disagree, and I think the public are going to love this. I think they're going to love the fact that we can disagree because if we agreed on all of them, this would be not as interesting. The only reason I'm going under is six more wins in this league is bloody tough. And Trevor Lawrence hasn't played a game yet. He has not. He, there is as much chance, and if this actually happens, I expect every inch of hate mail that I can get. It is as possible that they make the playoffs as it is he does his ACL in week one. Now, I do not want that to happen. I'm not wishing that to happen. Trevor, please, for the love of God, do not do your ACL in week one. But I think for a new coach to come in, a new quarterback to come in, yes, this kid has got more talent in his pinky finger than I do in my entire body when it comes to the NFL. I think six wins is too much to ask for right now. If they end the year 6-11 and 11 and they build again, they're going to be playoffs the season after. Yes. Um, so probably not one that I'd bet on personally, but we're here to do every team. I'm going to go under, but this could be 5-12, 6-11, and then, of course, going into... 7 and 10, 8 and 9. This will be a close one. That's a good line for Jacksonville. We move on to undoubtedly one of the better sides in the league, Kansas City. They finished 14 and 2, runners-up last year, and it was a dominant runners-up last year, given their form during the regular season. But they were found out in the Super Bowl, I think it's fair to say. Um, But my question to you, Matt, is Mahomes your MVP favourite? Short answer, no. And I think he will be in terms of the general public, but I think they've been up for so long that I can see Kansas City cruising through the regular season being just good. And that's why I've gone under on the win line. And okay. that, that's that's bold. At 12 and a half, that's very bold. That's bold because I no one can deny their talent. but. Yeah. I think they've been up for such a long time. They know how good they are. I can see them cruising through the regular season, being just good, good enough, and then really ramping up towards playoff time. Yeah. Um, the thing for me is you mentioned their Super Bowl disaster where they got found out. This is sign. This is a sign of great management. They identified the problem yeah. and they did everything in their power to fix it. Trading, free agency, drafting. They bought in pretty much a whole new offensive line, which looks 100 times better than it did last year. The defense is low-key average. They conceded a lot of points last season, and they, they're they very top-heavy. They have the stars like the Honey Badger, Chris Jones, Frank Clark. They have the superstars, but their depth isn't quite there, and it's low-key average, so... For those reasons, I went just under the line, but um, Kansas City would definitely be there at the pointy end. Yeah, I've gone over. Extra game gives them an extra chance to sort of go 13 and 4. But yeah, I'm with you. I think all this 16 and 1, 17 and 0 talk needs to stop and stop immediately. Uh, we move on quickly to the Las Vegas Raiders. They finished 8 and 8 last year. Their line is 6.5. So my question to you, mate, and it is it does come under the over under in a way. But since 2002, 
2002. I was four. Yeah, that's a long time ago. They've had one winning season. 2016. Wow. They went 12 and four. Now, they've had three eight and eight years in that time, but outright winning season, they've had one. Yeah. Do they have one this year? No, but they still go over the win line. Okay. So the win line six and a half. Yep. I think they can have an eight and nine season. Mm. I. It's still a decent roster. They had a they had a well publicized off season, which they normally do. Mark mm. Mayock is. I feel like if you have to say decent in a high pitched voice, you're. Uh, it's more of a hopeful decent than a no no. This is a decent squad. Yeah, it is decent because I think they're inconsistently decent. Okay. I think Derek Carr has shown that on his day he can come out and explode, but then on his day can have an absolute meltdown and throw four picks and have two fumbles. So, <laughs> yeah, the gap between good and bad. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Mike Mayock is different when it comes to managing uh, management. He, yeah, he really threw things around this offseason. They're always well publicized, being the Raiders and moving to Las Vegas. But my question to you is, Oh, okay. Can they unlock Henry Ruggs? They drafted him in the first round. Mm. A lot of people were surprised. He's a speed demon out of Alabama coming into his second season. They really didn't get him involved apart from that game-winning touchdown against the Jets when everyone believed the Jets lost on purpose. (laughs) That was his really only highlight of the season. Can they find a way to fit him into this offense so that he's actually a factor? Well, the question of can they, well, of course they can if they want to. But the fact of the matter is, is that they need to. I think it's as simple as that. Because, you know, to, I, I'm going to touch over it again. One winning season since 2002. We're going to get to my team very shortly. But we've been bagged in the past for not being that successful. One winning season since 2002 is frankly unacceptable. That's bonkers. From any professional sports team. That's um, that's Chicago Cubs numbers in the uh, baseball. And they've at least won a championship recently. So... Good luck to him. Six and a half. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm going uh, over as well. But yeah, seven or eight. I don't think they have a winning season either. So we agree on that. We move on uh, to the LA Chargers, which frankly is an organization that is centered around one genuine superstar, a young superstar as well. I'll just get to their numbers. They were seven and nine last year. And frankly, it was because of one man. Their roster did not fit a seven and nine season. Their line, though, is nine and a half, which really intrigues me. But before we get to that, what are your realistic expectations for Justin Herbert after his unbelievable debut season? Does he back it up? Well, one of the dot points I have on my notes here is Justin Herbert, second-year jump, question mark. Now, quarterbacks are known for a second-year jump after getting their, getting their feet under them towards the end of their rookie season. He came out and dominated from the start in ways that, we have never seen before. It was incredible to watch. I don't know how much he can improve. It's it's an odd one because you expect these quarterbacks to take a giant leap and become the leaders of their squad, but he's already at that status. And I don't think he's quite good enough yet to go into that MVP conversation. I think he has a slight jump, but not good enough to reach the line. I'm saying under wins. Um, the big thing for the LA Chargers is can Derwin James stay healthy? He came into the league out of Florida State, my college team, and he was quite frankly dynamic on that defense. Um, but he has not been able to stay healthy. Speaking of FSU alumni, 
the Chargers love them because they drafted Asante Samuel Jr. in the second round cornerback from Florida State. Personally, my favorite rookie, purely because he went to college at FSU. But I'm really keen to watch him. Just like JC Horn, he has just got that fight in him. He's a scrapper. He's going to be very handy on the boundary for LA. I'm excited to see him play, but under wins. Are they the most watchable team heading into next year for they're, a neutral? They're top five, I think. Yeah. Just, um, just seeing Justin Herbert play is yeah. very exciting. I'm backing him in. I'll jump on the bandwagon. Well, Three more. They've got. I think the extra game becomes really important when it comes to these numbers. So... They get the extra game, which means they've got another opportunity to get three more wins. I think he can. This kid's a star. Yeah. It, and theoretically, because of where he fell in the draft, I should hate him. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't. He's just brilliant to watch. So that's one LA team done and no prizes for guessing where we're going next. Uh, the other LA side, the Rams, they finished 10-6 and six last year, and that is their line, 10 and a half. In one word, before we get to your analysis, of course, do they win more games than the Chargers this year? Yes. Okay. All right. Now we get to Smithy's analysis. That was very succinct. Well, you asked for one word. I did. Um, Matt Stafford is finally in a good situation. Um, And I am excited because this man has had the talent to lead a team to success, but has never been in the situation to do so. I think he's in it here. I can't wait to see what he and Sean McVay draw up during the offseason. It's going to be exciting. There's going to be people flying everywhere on offense. It's going to be bombs away. They signed Deshaun Jackson, who's in my time following the NFL, probably the best pure deep threat I've ever seen with his pure speed just getting down the field. There's going to be some big plays, big chunk plays. They've got Cooper Cup as well, who can break off a big, uh, big run. Puzzling draft hall is what I've got written here. And I was generous because what they did in the draft was borderline crazy. (laughs) They drafted a 5'7 receiver who was projected to go in the sixth round in the second round with their first pick. Wow. At a position that arguably is their deepest. They have... Yeah, they've got a good receiving core. They've got Cooper Cup, who I mentioned. They've got Deshaun Jackson, who I mentioned. They've got Robert Woods, who is one of the most underrated receivers in the whole NFL. And they've got Van Jefferson, who they drafted last year, who showed great signs. Um, it's it's bonkers. I don't know what they were thinking. Um, is he going to be a special team star? Are they going to get him touches in the slot? I don't know. But being 5'7 and about 145 pounds, I'm not even exaggerating with that. That's bizarre. He's got serious, serious concerns. So they didn't draft well, but I think their roster has been built well well enough to have a successful season. I'll go over the win line I'm of with you. 10.5. Yeah, well, I'm with you. And 5'7 and 145 pounds, better hope he doesn't play in Cleveland. He could get blown away. Oh, absolutely. It could be frostbite season. <laughs> Goodness me. All right. With much uh, reservation, we move on to the Dolphins, which is my neck of the woods. Um, 10-6 and last year, which was fantastic, given the fact that Tua didn't impress the way that I think Dolphins fans wanted him to. And the media jumped on the um, bus train really quickly, and Fitzmagic did what Fitzmagic does, 
um, with that gunslinger motion and won us a couple of games. So my question to you is, if two is healthy, but Jacoby Brissett gets started over him even once, do the Finns move on? God, that would be uh, brutal for the young man. I I can't see it happening, to be honest. I think two is going to take the second year jump. Uh, he got injured in college. He was drafted with the, with that red flag about his health, about his leg. He came in and he was okay. He And that's all... So that sometimes that's all rookies need to show is that they're going to be okay. And I think with a full healthy off season under his belt, he's got the weapons around him. He's got a fantastic head coach. Brian Flores is arguably my favorite head coach in the NFL. Right, I, star. I love him. Yep. I seriously love him. I think they're going to draw up a game plan that's good enough to suit to it. I can see him making the jump. Now, tell me. Yep. How long ago was I on the Jalen Waddle train? Okay, so I actually went back through this today through our Facebook messages, and the date was the twenty sixth of oh no no twenty sixth of August, I believe it was. Yes, yeah, yeah, twenty sixth of August. You sent me um, a I found the next good receiver, yep. and I went good, and you went I'm being generous. I found the next great receiver, and I went okay, and you sent me a link to some highlights, and I went where are we? Uh, yeah, as you said, that was Jalen Waddle, and the Finns got him at six after trading down from three and then up from 12. Um, and, geez, that's exciting. And I think one of the good things for Tua is is it's it can't be the roster. I agree with you. I actually think Tua's going to be our franchise quarterback, and I'm backing him into the hilt. Um, I think we've got reason as Dolphin fans to get really excited about this roster, and at nine and a half, and the fact that we get to play the Jets twice, I think if we can take – a game off New England and geez, in a perfect world, I'd love to take a game off Buffalo, but that's perhaps dad's being a bit too um, uh, optimistic. I almost said pessimistic there, but no, <laughs> optimistic. Um, I think we'll be okay. Nine and a half. I'm going over with an extra game. And if we were 10 and six last year with getting Will Fuller and drafting really well, uh, Jalen Phillips at 18 too, steal. Yeah. If fit, I know if fit is something that fans hate to hear, but if fit, that is going to be genuinely bonkers. And, yeah, I'm with you. Tour improves. I'm uh, I'm hitting that over button. I think eleven and six. Yeah, I, I'm going to go over. Just I I love the draft hall. As I said, Jalen Waddle was a great pick. I still have slight concerns over the defense. Mm-hmm. Um, may not be warranted considering they were so good last year, but can they back it up? But yeah, I'm I'm going to go slightly over as well. All right, beautiful. And um, I normally get in trouble for not talking my team up enough. Uh, no matter the sport. So if there are any Dolphin fans listening, I promise I'm on the train. We're going to be good. But I, uh, I'm i a question asker by nature. So we move on. Minnesota finished seven and nine last year. Their line is eight and a half. Um, another short, sharp question for you. Uh, describe Kirk Cousins in two words. <laughs> That's a great question. He is beautifully strange. That's... <laughs> They're my two words. He is beautifully strange. I don't know his relationship status, but I think we've just written your new Tinder bio for you there, Kirk. <laughs> That's wonderful. He, he is interesting to watch, to say the least. Um, similar to Derek Carr, he can come out and go all guns blazing, throw for 200 yards and three touchdowns in the first half. And then for some reason in the second half, he can absolutely capitulate and throw three, t- three interceptions and lose his team the game. 
It's beautifully strange to watch. Um, I'm penciling in the over just because they played Detroit twice. Yeah. I think from there, you take in those two Detroit games. From there, you only have to win seven more games, which I think is doable. Delvin Cook is arguably the best running back in the NFL. Gee, speaking of good to watch. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Another uh, Florida State alumni. Thank you very much. But he is arguably the best back in the NFL. Yeah. He's durable. He scores touchdowns. He breaks off big runs. He can catch the ball. He's the ultimate package. Um, I think defense is still the concern. They signed Patrick Peterson, but he showed signs of being on his last legs last season in Arizona. Um, despite myself being a massive Patrick Peterson fan. So the defense is still the concern. I think this is Kirk Cousins last year in Minnesota. Um, I think he's out of contract at the end of the year. Or I, think so. I believe so, yes. Yeah. Um, and they drafted Callan Mond in the third round out of uh, Texas A&M, who is a really good project quarterback. So I think yep. a year of tutelage under Kirk Cousins... I think at the start of the 2022 NFL season, mm-hmm. he will be the starting quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings. Beautiful. A question without notice, considering we said their roster is only a QB away. If Kirk Cousins is on the market, is Denver a place that could target him? I think with the weapons around him in Denver mm. and the defense to back him up, yep. his beautifully strange play can actually he can actually get away with it. He in could Denver. make some things happen. He could make some things happen. There you if, go. He, if that happens, if you he, heard it here first. Yeah, if he if he throws a pick in the second half, yep. I trust that Denver Broncos defense to get a three and out stop and get Kirk back on the field. So that could be a beautiful landing spot. Love it. All right, moving on. Uh the last one before another break. I'm gonna get you to do your analysis and then my question. Um, just for this one. So it's New England. New England's line is nine. They finished seven and nine last season. So give us your analysis first, and then I'll uh, I'll shoot you my question. How do you think they'll go? Yeah, I'm going under. Um, QB play is the issue for me. Cam Newton showed last season that despite having little to no weapons around him, um, towards the end of the season, his arm didn't look very good. They drafted Mac Jones, but I have huge question marks on Mac Jones. Yep. Um, you know, you can put you can put a cat in a lion's pack and it does still get a bit of the a bit of the food food at the end. I think that's what happened with Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. He was put around some absolute star talent at Alabama. Imagine standing there and having Najee Harris standing next to you with Devontae Smith and Jalen Adams on uh, Jalen Waddle on the outside. Jeez, it'd be handy. It'd be handy. You, it can make anyone look good. So I'm not sold. They went bonkers in the offseason. They did. They, they spent went... they spent more money than I think anyone spent in free agency. Yeah. They were like a uh, they were like a rich woman at a boxing day sale. They were <laughs> oh, weren't saying, they what? I'll take one of these. <laughs> they they got the top two tight ends on the market, which is if that's not the biggest middle finger to the rest of the league, I yeah. don't know what is. Love it. Bill Belichick being Bel- Bill Belichick. The one thing I will flag. Oh, okay. Jeez, he's got a serious look on his face too. New England are the Early favorite to acquire Julio Jones by a trade. Hello. If, if that happens, do you go over? I go over. Okay. Because regardless of how good, bad, or indifferent the quarterback play is, putting that absolute superstar on the outside, things are going to happen. So yep. I will flag that, but I'll go under. Beautiful. Okay. So this leads me to my question. So if they don't get Julio Jones, do they finish second in the AFC East? 
I think Miami have a better season. If they do get Julio Jones, do they catch Miami for second in the AFC East? Yes. Julio Jones will be the difference. Wow. There you go. All right, mate. We've got one more break in us, and then uh, we will be back, and we will be back with a Drew Breesless New Orleans. We're back, mate. We are back in town and back with New Orleans, who finished 12-4 and last year, and their line is nine. Uh, obviously, that comes with having no Drew Brees. So my question to you is, is Drew Brees, no Brees, no New Orleans was used as a clickbait sort of title throughout the offseason. Um, but how realistic is it that everyone thinks that they're just going to capitulate without him? I don't think it's as crazy as you're making it out to be, to be honest. Um was Drew Brees fantastic last season? No. But Jameis Winston is like Kirk Cousins on steroids. He is beautifully strange in the most strange way possible. He threw 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions in the same season. Jeepers. How's that for a stat? That is unbelievable. That's averaging nearly two a game. Yeah, so this for man, both. <laughs> this man is just... Bombs away. He doesn't really care about what's going on around him. He just wants to throw the football. I don't know what they do at QB. They rolled with Taysom Hill last season. He's a one-dimensional running quarterback. Um, Taysom Hill is what everyone makes out Lamar Jackson to be. Oh, wow. Yes. I think Lamar might be a little flat about that. <laughs> no offense to Taysom Hill, but no offense. But that's what that's what people make him out to be—a one-dimensional runner who can't throw the football. Mm. Which I'm not saying that that's what Lamar is because I'm higher on. You're, Lamar. Oh, you're a huge fan of Lamar. Yeah, I am. So that's what people think about Lamar when it's <clears throat> when it's actually Taysom Hill. They have massive cap issues. They do. I was they reading have, about that. They're they in have, huge trouble. They have an aging roster. I think if the Saints season gets off to a poor start, mm-hmm. they're going to have a dumpster fire sale. Dumpster fire sale. They're going to send some of their QBs, uh, some of their veterans, on big contracts to contending teams. But my question to you, my friend, mm-hmm. can Michael Thomas get back to his best without Drew Brees? Oh, geez, that's a good question. I don't. I didn't come here. To no, you didn't. No, you didn't come here to ask bad questions. I'm rightly so. Um. I'm going to say yes because I'm not a fan of writing people off without knowing because he hasn't had to be good without him yet. So I'm going to say yes until I see it as a no, until I actually see it in person that it's a no. Yeah. So um, I'll back him in. I'm a big believer in um, uh, talent's permanent. Yeah. So what about you? I say no. Yeah. Because yeah. James, that was a good spiel. <laughs> Jameis Winston's quarterback style – is the complete opposite to Drew Brees's. Um, Jameis Winston likes to throw the ball deep downfield. Michael Thomas is at his best when he's running those underneath routes. Yep. So I just don't think they're a good match, and that's why I don't think Michael Thomas will get back to his best this season. I, th- I think what we what is for sure is we're going to know really early. Oh, absolutely. This yep. won't be a we need to wait till week six. So at the line at nine, um, are you over under or are you a push? I'm under. Under. Yeah, yep. I'm with you. And I don't think it'll be a complete capitulation, but I think the year after definitely could be, yep. depending on how they go. Moving on, we've got the pair of New York teams. We're going to start with the Giants, who finished 6-10 and 10 last season. Their line is 7, and it's a pretty easy question here, mate. How much improvement do you see Daniel Jones having? It will improve. Will it be enough? I'm not sold. 
us one of my one of my dot points in my notes is Daniel Jones question mark. Hmm. He he is the question mark. I think Big Blue are a division smoky. And I said earlier in the show that I think the Cowboys will win this division. Mm-hmm. I think the Big Blue are a smoky. Um, the return of Saquon Barkley, say quads as they call him. <laughs> if you haven't seen the size of that man's quads, go <laughs> it, have a look. It's it is, freakish. It is insane. It, yeah. Um, if he can come back and stay healthy, he's a superstar. Their defense is so solid. Um, this is the same team that absolutely destroyed Russell Wilson in Seattle last year. I think they're a division smoky. I'm going the over. Over on the seven. I'm with you. I just, and I know it sounds like I'm um, beating a dead horse here, but that extra game with some of these markets really coming to the frame. So I think at worst you get a push. Um, if that extra game's obviously if they're the same and win one extra, yep. you'll get the push. So I think the under is somewhat irresponsible. And I'm not one to want people to have bad years. I hope Daniel Jones improves. Um, oh. But I'm with you. I just don't know how much it's going to be. Okay, to their cousins, the New York Jets. They finished 2-14 and 14 last year. They were so bad at tanking, they didn't get the number one pick, <laughs> which was uh, interesting. But they did get Zach Wilson, and I think they were happy with Zach from the start. So yeah. they wouldn't have minded too much. As I said, their line is six. So my question to you is, mate, are they really a four-win better team than last season? I'm just going to say, New York Jets fans, get ready for the Zach Wilson experience. I think this kid's going to be special. 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 Oh. And, you know, I wouldn't put that past the New York Jets to draft a bus quarterback, but I think things are changing in in uh, the New York Jets franchise. I think Robert Salah coming in as the head coach, the former defensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers. You've probably seen him running around the sideline like the rock, looking like the rock. <laughs> He's he's going to really change the fortunes of this franchise. I was looking at their depth chart last night, and the left side of their offensive line could be the best in the NFL. They've got Mackay Becton at left tackle, who was outstanding last season. Yeah, and they went up in the draft to to uh, take Elijah Veritaka from USC. That was one of your favorite picks. It was one of my favorite picks. I really really liked it for the Jets because. It shored up that left side of the that blind side, Zach Wilson's blind side, and that is so important for a young quarterback because if they take a few big hits from the blind side, that can that can really be rough for a young quarterback. So just having those two mountain mountains of men on the left side of the line will be huge. They brought in some good players, but they didn't address the secondary. It's a huge question mark. I think teams could definitely go bombs away on the New York Jets and put up some big points um, with their with their cornerback rotation. I'm going under, but I cannot wait to watch Zach Wilson. I'm with you, mate. I can't wait to watch him either. They could be one of the more interesting sides to watch throughout the year because if Zach Wilson does go well, because you know, like Trevor Lawrence got all the publicity as the number one pick. The Trey Lance v. Mac Jones for San Francisco I'll pick three dominated headlines for a while. No one talked about this kid just at all. He was like the rocket pick two. No one really heard about him or for him, not about him in the sense of didn't know who he was, but it was almost like the boring pick of yeah. the draft. So I really hope he goes well. I think this has push written all over it. Yeah. I am going to go the under because we're not um, talking about push, but yeah, it would not surprise me at all if they went 6-11 and 11 next year and – I'm with you. I hope he goes fantastically. Good luck to Zach Wilson. Yeah. We move along to Philly, who uh, who went sorry at four eleven and one last season. Their line is six and a half. 
And I was thinking of a question to post here. And I struggled in a sense because I don't want to ask the uber obvious um, with every team. So I'm going to go with what I think is an honest um, reflection. Are they the most irrelevant team in the league this year? They could well and truly be up there. They could well and truly be up there. Houston are going to be the worst, but they'll be in the headlines for Deshaun Watson and who they're going to take with the number one pick. Detroit is always going to be somewhat relevant. Um, Yeah, Philly are just... They're in no man's land at the moment, I feel like. I'm not sold on Jalen Hurts. Yep. I think he was in two very generous situations in his college career. And yes, he came into the NFL and had a few good starts because I don't think teams were prepared for Jalen Hurts. They didn't ex- They didn't know what to expect from Jalen Hurts. So he came in and did his thing. But defenses towards the end of the year started to get on top of him. And with a whole off-season worth of you know, analysis and scouting on this kid. I'm not sold. Um, their defense is still a huge issue. Um, and the offensive line on paper is good, but can they stay healthy is a completely different issue because at times last season, they were starting their third stringers at positions on the O-line. Yeah, they were. And that's yep. a recipe for disaster, oh, if you ask me. Absolutely. And at six and a half, that surprises me that I think they're going to be a three-win yeah. um, better team. So they, I'm slamming the under. Yeah, I, and, I, I agree. And I, I can't see too many neutrals going, get to the television, Philly are playing. Yeah, no, I wouldn't have thought And so. that includes Eagles fans too, by the way. <laughs> I know a couple. In, uh, Who are on some of the most passionate supporters in the NFL. So Oh, they absolutely are. But there's there's a sense of just... Yeah, we're around. There's not a lot of excitement. And then, like you said, with Houston and Detroit, there's not a lot of, we want to see if this is a dumpster fire or not. They're just sort of thereabouts, aren't they? So, yeah, no, I agree. We'll move on quickly to Pittsburgh, who are the opposite of irrelevant always. They were 12-4 and four last year, went down to Cleveland in the playoffs, as we know, in a major upset. Uh, their line is eight and a half, so the bookie's really expecting them to go backwards, four games backwards, in fact. Um, is this Big Ben's last hurrah, my friend? Yep. There and you that, go. That's it. That, we can move on. Yep, next <laughs> team. <laughs> nah, my, uh, my first dot point under Pittsburgh was Big Ben is done. And he's had a great career. We don't want to you know, pile on, but he's done. Um, he looked beaten to shreds in that playoff game against Cleveland. They got that defense got at him and quite frankly embarrassed him. Um, their defense has been and always will be good and will be able to win them games, but win them enough games, I'm not so sure. The decision to draft Najee Harris, mm. it was the talk of round one, really. Um, because last season, their run game was dreadful. It was borderline embarrassing. It was. Um, James Connor just could not get anything going. Their offensive line couldn't do anything. They were throwing the ball 50 times a game with Big Ben at QB. So would I have gone offensive line? Yes. But I understand why they want to take Najee Harris. I hope Najee Harris does well because he seems like a fantastic young person. His interview... That at the uh, homeless shelter that he grew up at, oh, that was it's, powerful. It's very powerful, and he he drove something like eleven hours to go to Alabama's pro day that he wasn't even participating in, yep. just to egg on his teammates. So he seems like one of the best young kids you'll ever meet. So I wish nothing but the best for him. 
but I'm going under 8.5. Yeah, I'm with you. And just my last thing on Najee Harris as well. If there was a draft for blokes that you want to go well for their whole career, he's my pick one. Yeah. That was unbelievable. I'm going under with you as well. Um, yeah, in a weird way, I think Pittsburgh have got, I think their decisions are to be asked at the end of the year, not during the year. So that'll be an interesting one to watch. We move on to San Francisco, the mighty 49ers who were decimated with injury last year. That's why they were 6-10. and 10. Their line is 10.5, and, and the bookies are just hoping that they're healthy um, going off that. But my question to you, mate, is can they win a playoff game if Trey Lance starts? Absolutely. Kyle, Kyle Shanahan is, I said Brian Flores was my favorite coach. Oh, he's second. Kyle Shanahan is second. Yeah. And I believe he's one of the best offensive masterminds that this league has to offer. I think he's going to have developed an amazing game plan to shoot uh, to suit Jimmy G if he's starting and Trey Lance with a completely different game plan if he's starting. I think he'll be able to get the best out of Trey Lance. I love Trey Lance. I think he's going to be amazing in this league. I love all the rookie QBs this year. <laughs> I I know it sounds a bit a bit fangirly and a bit optimistic, but it's just so exciting to see so much young talent come into the league. Um, I'm going over. The only thing is it's a very tough division. That mm. NFC West, yeah, geez, you've that's... got Arizona, you've got the Rams, you've got San Fran, and you've got Seattle. Yeah. They're four very good teams. So yeah, all of those teams could genuinely go one and one in the division yeah, against yeah. each other. So yeah, the division games are going to be huge in that. It, they always are in every division, but the yeah. NFC West, you're going to be wanting to tune into those divisional. Yeah, games. a couple of divisions might be straight to DVD, but this is absolute box office. I agree with you. Okay, I'm going the over as well, and I don't see any reason why they can't at least get to a conference championship or Super Bowl Smokey for sure. Um, we move on to Seattle, and speaking of tumultuous off-seasons, mm. they've gone almost a decade of being the quietest. Just we're in Seattle, we're in the Pacific uh, Northwest, we're just doing what we do, and then Russell Wilson just decided to go away from his Go Hawks and speak the truth, and I loved it. Yeah. Um, they finished 12-4 and four last season. Their line is 10, so the bookie's expecting them to go backwards a couple of games. But my question to you is, mate, is if they don't make the conference championship this year, does one of Russell or Pete have to go? And if so, which one? I think unless Russell Wilson comes out and says, I want out of Seattle, it'll be Pete Carroll that goes. Do I think it's going to happen if they don't make the conference championship? No. I think Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll from the outside have a very healthy coach-quarterback relationship. But I'm going under the 10-win line. Whoa, and- Hello. And it's controversial, but purely based on the division. I think they're the third best team in the in the division. It wouldn't surprise me if they went one and three against LA and San Fran combined. So that puts them behind the eight ball. Yeah, absolutely, it does. Their defense is still very mediocre. Mm. Um, they lost Shaquille Griffin, which is a huge loss. He was solid as a rock on the outside for them. Jamal Adams is good. But I don't know if he can carry this defense to enough wins. I am going under. Their offensive line is still not strong enough because Russ loves to hold the ball and mm. make magic happen. That's why people love Russ. But Got to let Russell cook, mate. Well, you do, but you need an offensive line to let the water preheat, my friend. Yeah, so, that's it. Um, 
I'm going under on the Seahawks. I, I think this is, and this is the second time I'm saying this, this has got push written all over it for mine, but considering we're doing over-under, I'll go over, but that's only betting on the fact they go 11-6. and six. Yeah. All right, we move on to the reigning champs, Tampa Bay, 11-5 and five last season. Their line is 11.5, so thinking they'll be about the same. My question to you is, 2003-2004 was the last time a team went back-to-back. Do they buck the trend? Because granted, the guy that they've got at quarterback was the last one to go back-to-back, so it's a good bloke to have in your corner. Um, What do you reckon? Do they buck the trend or... Oh, it starts with a sigh. That's dangerous. I don't think they win the Super Bowl. Oh, okay. We're going to get to our predictions a bit later on, but But there you go. Big call. I don't think they'll go back-to-back, but I still think they're going to be very good Mm -hmm. given that. Uh, it's the first time in the common Super Bowl era that a team has brought back all 22 starters from the Super Bowl. Yeah. They've done that, which is incredible. That was in, that's insane. It's an insane stat. Uh, yeah. I don't know how the management did it. <laughs> I, I guess it's the Tom Brady effect. Everyone wants to play with Tom Brady and who can blame them. He's Benjamin Button. I'm convinced. He, yeah. I don't he doesn't know. age. He's the Paul Rudd of sport. He just doesn't age. <laughs> how can he walk around at his age and just dominate? It's It's... It's beyond belief. I don't know. Their defense is what is keeping Tom Brady so fresh. Though. Yeah. Their defense is incredible. Mm. Led by Todd Bowles, defensive coordinator. It is just beautiful to watch the stars they have on, on defense. Tom Brady can relax and just throw his five-yard dump-offs and you know score 28 points, and his defense is going to do the rest. I'm going over on the wins, but... Uh, to answer your question, they don't go back to back. Yeah, I think with the, again, fourth, fifth time or whatever, I think the extra game helps them. I'm going over as well. But I think the fact that they won a Super Bowl at 11 and 5, I think shows them that they don't need to go 15 and 2, 16 and 1. So I think if they get to a stage where they're sort of maybe 10 and 4, they could rest mm-hmm. a bunch of players if um, if the opponent's not like great. I don't have their schedule in front of me. But over, but not by much. Um I think they're going to be amazing to watch. Well, Tom Brady's box office oh. every time. He's the Tom Cruise of footy. I'm just going to dump out a lot of actors that he's like, so <laughs> we'll move on quickly before these get worse. We move on to Tennessee, who finished 11-5 and five last year, and their line is nine. So the bookies, again, expecting them to take a step back. And that is my question to you, mate. Why? Uh, their defense. Their defense is weak. It's It's been the Achilles heel in that city for a few years now. Um, and they lost their, they lost Corey Davis to the New York Jets, which no one has spoken about. But Corey Davis had a very, very good season last year. Next was to AJ, very good, yeah. Next to AJ Brown. He's gone and they didn't bring anyone in to replace him. So um, now we mentioned Julio Jones earlier. Yep. And I said that New England were the early favorites. Tennessee a second. Well, wow. how good would a Julio Jones AJ Brown combination look? I think Ryan Tannehill is looking at that, going, <laughs> "Yes, please." Yeah, he'll be, he will have some of that. They've got Derrick Henry, who we know you can just give the ball to five thousand times in a game, and he won't feel any hit. Mm. I'm going over. Yep, I think they probably play in the weakest division in the NFL. We mm-hmm. spoke about the NFC being the NFC West being the strongest. Yep. I think this is the weakest. They get Houston twice. Yep. 
They get Jacksonville twice. Oh, that's four and zero to start already. And they get Indy, which could be one and one. Yep. So you know, purely based on the division, I'm going over. Yeah, that could be five and one, and from there you're relying on them um, going five and six. Yep. So yeah, I'm with you. I think over is a good bet there. And lucky last, my friend, in the nation's capital, we go to Washington. Finished seven and nine last year. Deadline is eight. They got Fitzmagic from my. Miami Dolphins, but my question is not about him. My question is, how many games do an ultra-good defense win you? If you asked me 20 years ago, I'd say a lot. Mm-hmm. But Rightly so. But currently with the quarterback-driven, offensive-driven game that we are watching at the moment, it can't win you that many. But saying that, Washington's is one of the best going around. It is crazy good. Their defense will carry them. Fitzmagic will have his moments. He'll have a 300-yard, four-touchdown game here and there. I really like the look of Antonio Gibson running mm-hmm. back. And one of my favorite off-season acquisitions was Curtis Samuel to Washington. Now, did it hurt me to see <laughs> him leave Carolina? Yes. Do I feel better now that we have Terrace Marshall to replace him in the draft? Yes. But... Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin were college teammates, college best friends, roommates, and they've reunited in Washington, which I think is a beautiful thing. I think they're going to complement each other beautifully. I like Washington. I think the NFC East, which was the butt of all jokes last season, is actually going to turn things around this year. I think Dallas, New York Giants, and Washington are all going to be battling it out for that title with Philadelphia being the also-rans. <laughs> Sorry, Philly fans. <laughs> but I actually am going just over on Washington. Again, if we were going for the push, I think eight wins is a fantastic line. Yeah, I think I think these lines have been magnificent. Shout yeah. out to Sportsbet, who yeah. we're getting these from. I think they've nailed most of them, if yeah, not all. Absolutely. A lot of my notes said great lines, so <laughs> I think they've all been pretty spot on. But I'll take the over just in pure optimism of Fitz Magic landing in Washington. He's the only player in the NFL, I reckon, that fans would want to get a tattoo of him one in one play because he'll do something remarkable, and then in the next play, they'd want him out the door. Yeah. No, he's very, very hit and miss, but we love him. For we him. love Fitz Magic. We love him. I loved him at Miami, and I, I was disappointed to see him go, but he's one of those guys that he walked out. Well, he didn't walk out. He got traded, of course, but... I wish him all the best. We wish we wish him the best. Fitz Fitz magic. magic. I'm going to go under for okay. this one. And just like you, mate, if I could, I'd be pushing the push. Yep. Um, but I'll go 7 and 10, whereas I think you'll be going 9 and 8. I don't think you'll be expecting 10 and 7. No. no from no. Fitz Magic nine, this year. 9 and 8 is 8 and 9 is um, is my, yeah. my range. Yeah. And just 7 and 10, 8 and 9 uh, is mine. All right, mate. We're almost out of here. We are going to do our way too early Super Bowl prediction. Um, if you want to do your winner, you can, but we're going to do the lineup first. So, and then we'll get to our winners. Who do you think right now as we sit here, we're going to do more previews as we move closer to the season. But as we sit here recording on the 24th of May, Australian time, who makes the Super Bowl, mate? I think it's going to be a San Francisco versus Buffalo Super Bowl. Whoa. Yeah. And I am <laughs> I'm going left field here. Yeah. Oh, no way. I just love San Fran. Yeah. I love what they're doing. Yeah. And I would love to see a rookie QB win the Super Bowl. Mm. 
how likely that is of happening, very low. Yeah. But um, I just love San Fran's talent on both sides of the ball. Love Trey Lance. Love the coaching. And I spoke about Buffalo earlier, yep. how high I am on them. Yep. So I would love to see that Super Bowl matchup. Do you want to give us a way too early winner? Are you going with San Fran? I'll say Buffalo purely for the fact that I think Trey Lance will be starting for yeah. San Fran, and I can't see a rookie QB winning the Super Bowl. So I say Buffalo are my way too early NFL chance. I am going to go a boring first and then controversial second. Okay. I think Tampa and Kansas City get there again. Yeah. The result's different. Okay. And I'm not saying I'm I'm not saying different in uh, Kansas City are going to get like them back. I'm saying they're going to get them back. Massive. Yeah? Yep. Blow them out of the water. Yep. Right. I, think, I think they're going to do to Tampa what Tampa did, did to them. them. Absolutely. And yeah. I think the, the if there is a beauty in finishing second, and it's not a good feeling at the time, of course, but they've had all summer to prepare for this. And I just hope that Kansas City are preparing to win the Super Bowl, not get revenge on Tampa. Because if they make the Super Bowl and Tampa aren't there... They've been preparing for 12 months for something that isn't going down. But as we sit here, Tampa v. Kansas City and Kansas City, get it done. Beautiful. All right, mate. We are out of here. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review. Push that subscribe button. For the NBA fans out there, some content is coming for you. We've got playoff previews for round two. We were supposed to do round one, but you can blame dads for that. Um, and we are looking forward to having your company again. Smitty, thanks for joining me, mate. It's been a pleasure. It has been an absolute pleasure. Um, hopefully, this is the first of many. I've really enjoyed it, and hopefully, we can build a small little, a small community or a large community. Absolutely. I'd rather it be large, but uh, <laughs> just, just a nice community of people who are here for the right reason, and that's because we love sport. That's it, mate. That's all we're after. Thank you very much, guys, and we'll see you next time.